1: Hi everybody, this is Laurie Handlers, and you are listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness. And, um, you know, I always say this, it's about your sex and your happiness, and today, it's, no, it's not going to be any different. And I'm, I, I guess I'm going to give you a little warning, like a little pre-warning, which is to say, I have somebody, as my guest on the show today, who, for some of you, is a very controversial writer. Um, I find her writings to be amazing, timely, just exactly what the doctor ordered in the nick of time. And I actually sought her out after re- reading a few of her pieces and said, I need you to be a guest on my show. And then it turns out that we knew each other all this time, and we just—I just I just didn't know that that was her. So I'm thrilled and surprised and wondered to have her on my show today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Jillian. Pothier, and she is a Los Angeles-based writer, archetypal coach, and creative mentor, whose lens centers on masculine and feminine polarity. Her coaching practice and writing is deeply influenced by Jungian and archetypal principles, dreams, sex, mythology, and her abiding passion, feminine eros. So without further ado, I welcome Jillian to my show. Jillian, Thank welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Laurie. It's such a pleasure to be here with you.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know, I said the truth just now when I was introducing you that yes, we knew each other and I didn't know you were you <laughs> when I met you. Mm-hmm. I didn't put the two together, your writings, which I was already following, and you. Got it. Right. So, oh, such a joy. So, <laughs> Let's talk about it a little bit, like when you say, we have to define some of these terms because I don't know if my listeners will understand what some of it means. So when we say archetypal coach, what does that mean? So archetypal um, coaching
2: means that I use the lens of archetypes, which I think in most modern Um, times has been kind of articulated and defined and illuminated by Carl Jung, although they're timeless and exist, you know, um, in all space and time. So he uses kind of the mythology and these archetypal insights to understand the human, the human psyche. So I have been heavily trained in the lineage of Jungian psychotherapy. I'm in fact trained as a Jungian psychotherapist, although do not practice under licensure, So that's been a way of cultivating my understanding of, Mm -hmm. of human, the human psyche, human behavior, how we interact in the world is through this lens of understanding, like, what is alive in us? What is being constellated in us beyond kind of the small S self, beyond the way that we know ourselves, um, to be through personality, perhaps.
1: OK, I got it. So like uh, so some of the archetypes we're talking about would be like the warrior or uh-huh. the queen exactly, or the, or the, the uh,
2: great mother.
1: Yeah, the king. And,
2: you know, there's all the tyrant in many ways carries deep archetypal meaning. Then there's all these different like an entire constellation of archetypes that kind of weave in and out of our lived experience in life.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So that's that's. It's great to know that and where it comes from. And um and I didn't also I didn't know that you were trained as a as a Jungian psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's very. It's such rich material.
2: Such extraordinary rich material, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the pieces, of course, that I, the first piece I ever read of yours was about feminine eros and the second piece was about fem- feminine mm-hmm. eros and they were sent to me by om rapani which many of my listeners know who om is because he's been on the show quite a few times and uh he sent them to me and he just said oh you have to read this and i was so moved mm. and i sent it to everybody you know i sent <laughs> the second piece to everybody mm. so we'll talk about that in a moment but before we do How did you get started? Like, did you always know that you wanted to delve into these? You know, I imagine that you were affected deeply by Alice in Wonderland. You know, like, that's my imagination. So how did you come to be this? How did you come to write about this? How did you develop yourself into this?
2: So... Um, I think it's sort of a multi-pronged approach. One is is that I have always been fascinated with fairy tale and myth and symbol. And as you said, like, since I was very young. So I've grown up with this deep fascination and a deep kind of attunement to what Marion Woodman calls, like, the river beneath the river. Like, sure, we're all kind of um, functioning in the quote unquote real world slash matrix, but there are these energetics that are influencing us that are kind of metapersonal or transpersonal mm-hmm. that are like these deep, um, lineages of, of energetic constellations and identifications. So I have been fascinated and have been deeply moved and kind of rocked in my own life by in what I call like archetypal encounters. Like they're very real when an archetypal energy is kind of infused or awakened in your lived experience. And there's times like I've shared very openly that I have been kind of dragged to the underworld, you know, by my ponytail. So as it were, by these archetypal encounters and Mm -hmm. have had incredibly exalted experiences as well when we are in these places in our lives of very heightened kind of confluence or coherence. There's often like um, kind of the rumblings of these archetypal encounters that are present. So in my own lived experience, and um, it's been like a, a deep lens I also um, have been very influenced by the energetics of kink. That's been a world and a lineage that I, in many ways, um, I mean, as an older person, certainly an older woman, um, in my 20s and 30s, as I matured in my own sense of sexual identity and my own sense of beingness in the world, that's been a deep forum of exploration and fascination for me. Mm. And so I would say that there's, for me, like a very gorgeous, perfect alchemy between the Jungian lens, which explores deeply the masculine and feminine aspects of the human psyche, which Jung calls the anima and the animus, and that all human beings contain within it both of those um, polarities or both of those expressions and this is far beyond gender embodiment or anatomical reality. So for me those two aspects kink and then this um, deep you know multi-year immersion in, in Jungian psychotherapy and, and clinical understanding of the human psyche kind of double helix in this way that is Uh, Extraordinarily, extraordinarily rich for me personally, Mm -hmm. and I think has has kind of illuminated my own lens. Mm
1: -hmm. And you know, a couple things I want to say to what you said. Well, one, you mentioned Marion Woodman, and I read a book that she co-authored called The Maiden King. Yeah, and that book that book changed my life. Absolutely, she is. Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, for me as well. I mean, all her
2: work has been, like, honed me and forged me in in many significant ways.
1: Wow. So I haven't even heard her name in a long time. And you said that and just, like, sparked a bunch of things. And then the other thing is, um, yeah, to be, to have a lineage of kink and then a lineage of, you know, Jungian archetypal principles, I mean... They're both kind of politically incorrect,
2: <laughs> uh-huh. in certain ways. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. I mean, I you know one of the things Ohm says when we're when we're teaching Tantra meets BDSM together, he says if you're a like he, we get into the archetypes of Dom and Sub, and then he says, well, if you're a woman and you're a Sub, then you are then it seems that you're boycotting or betraying all your sisters and that you want, to, you want to take submission uh, or the, the stance of submission. And if you're a dom, you're a bitch. So like you're also incorrect. And then if you're a man and you take submissive, you're a pussy. Nobody yeah. wants to deal with you. You have no power. And if you are a man dom, you're an asshole. Mm. So nothing about kink is politically correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very true.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the, it's like gold is that it lives in the taboo and it has all the mythical richness of, of taboo.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's such a turn on. And it's so like, it's, I can just say to you that, you know, it's enhanced my life quadruple fold to be, yeah. to, to understand the play of those archetypes and to play to actually play with them it's mm-hmm. it's changed it's taken what i thought was number 10 lovemaking on a one to 10 scale it's taken my 10 to like a 50 Ooh.
3: Mm-hmm. and
1: i'm just like i go like what just happened where yeah. was i you know like what is happening here and that's all because you know i was open to having the experience. And the other piece that I like people to know is that the experience that anyone's having when they're playing out some, some type, some archetype in pink is never what it looks like.
2: Precisely. no, (laughs) It's it's never what it looks like.
1: Exactly. What it looks like has all this projection Mm -hmm. and all these judgments and Mm -hmm. all what it feels like is sometimes like peace and heaven mm-hmm. and, and calm and and um, and secureness, like the security of a rope. And nobody gets that. They look at it and they go, this is whack. You know, like, I, I, why do these people do this?
2: <laughs> yeah, it has to be um, entered into in its fullness to understand, you know, some of those ecstasies that are, inherent in power play. And as you said, in rope, you know, in shabari, like those are very ancient forms, art forms that induce very specific states of being. Mm-hmm. And it's extraordinary, extraordinarily rich and deeply shadow complected, as you said, in terms of the projections upon those lineages and those art forms and this is very ancient. You know, I have deep, deep respect for this craft and this art form and these lineages because of how profound they are in their um, in their nature, actually, in mm. their nature.
1: Yeah, wonderful, just wonderful. So, and then writing, how did you, like, did, did you minor in literature or you've, like, how did you just, like, hone your craft of writing about it
2: um so i've only been sharing my writing um kind of quasi publicly since last april and i just had sort of an instigating event or an initiation and i wrote a piece called um shaming the masculine weaponized feminine pain and, you know, was trembling as I hit publish on Facebook and immediately kind of metaphorically wanted to crawl under the bed with my helmet on. You know, I was scared. Like, these are big experiences for me and for my system. And that piece just had some, you know, shared thousands of times and republished on multiple platforms. And all of a sudden, it's like was this experience of of being received a little bit by the collective, that this voice that I have, that I've always had, like for, I was working with men specifically um, when I shifted away from my psychotherapeutic kind of clinical practice into um, more of this kind of archetypal coaching or mentorship and so there was a way that I had been deeply informed by the experience that I had both as a psychotherapist in training and then in my own mentorship work with men and then with women. And there was just this way where like I, I gave myself permission to be in the fullness of who I am as a seer. Mm. Certainly, and I don't say that like universally, like through my own perception, my own creative perception, which is certainly only a reflection and an outcome of of my own lived experience. So I just gave myself permission, you know, and with very trembling fingers, pressed publish. And then, you know, I I don't, I'm not um, someone who is on social media very frequently. I have posted maybe, 10 or 12 pieces only since last April. And I I have two different sort of ways of working with writing. Sometimes these pieces, like I can feel it, like the kind of my channel opens and there's this direct and clear and potent clarity and the piece moves through me sometimes in a matter of minutes, you know, or 20 minutes and it's like voila and in the world, kind of powerful constellation of, of, of seeing I I, that's the only way I can kind of describe it. And then other times I am like radically worked by a piece where I am kind of clawing my way through the moonlight, like night after night having this piece kind of be metabolized through my system and cultivating it and crafting it and being in this like intimate with relationship with like, what is it that wants to come through? Like, what is it that's asking to be made contact with? So and and I move kind of in these deep feminine undulations between those two ways of working. I am not someone that like has a specific routine um, yeah. around like writing even every day, but I'm aware of of when I'm inside that kind of crucible where there's something that's like in fullness wanting to be to be made contact with.
1: Mhm. Thank you for explaining that so Beautifully, I I actually got a wave in my body thinking, you know, considering it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we are going to actually talk about some of the pieces and like what they represent and what their, uh, you know, what the message is, um, you know, and I'm taking the risk that my audience is going to go with it because my audience has been loyal and been listening to me for a long time. And so, um, I think they need to know about you <laughs> so i so we're going to talk about some of the stuff, right. and some of it may be painful for people to hear, like mm-hmm. I mean challenging, you know
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, because there are so many people with so many different positions of mm-hmm. righteousness, and you know i like to I like to disrupt all that, so uh <laughs> so we might do that. <laughs> So, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. And my guest today is Jillian Pothier. And she's a, I said, Los Angeles based writer. She's an archetypal, I don't know, archetypal coach and creative mentor. And um, I said earlier, I've been following her as a writer because there's my part, my teaching partner, one of them anyway, sends me her stuff. And then I just had to start to follow her and then came to find out that her was some her, was her she that I met, that I had known already and that was very exciting for me. So we'll be right back and we'll talk about some of the work and we'll talk about how you can actually get your arms around it um, no matter what position you're in, like how to take the gold from it because cause it's moved me to the core. So stay tuned, we're coming right back. Sexual. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright, that you don't need to earn it or prove it, you just need to live it? I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the Spiritual Sexual Shamanic Experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being.
3: Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life, get the best from relationships, attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown. Take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, Emotionally and spiritually with sex and happiness by Lori Handlers only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. dot com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com dot com for your copy of Sex and Happiness.
4: My question for people right now is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response. Or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra is safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient, single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about ten minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say, you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handler's On the Sex and Happiness Show.
1: We are back with Sex and Happiness. And again, I'm Laurie Handler as your host. And I'm speaking with Jillian Pothier, who really has done some exquisite writing. And she says she hasn't, she's only been doing it since, or at least submitting it to the public eye since April 2018. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's, she's new. And she's so worth reading, I'm Mm. just saying. Mm. So, yeah, it's like, it's wonderful to be so um, stirring. And I get that the stuff has to come out. You have to write it. It's it's Mm -hmm. like when you were speaking before, I actually got that it's almost not a choice. It's almost like this is the work. That Mm -hmm. is the work coming through you.
2: Yeah that's my experience too like it's not my nature like i'm quite introverted and shy in many ways actually and it was it's not my intention and and never was my intention to be like a voice of disruption like some people really love that and they love that kind of catalyzing energy whereas for me that's it's it's a very big experience to hold this degree of contrast and this degree of polarization it's required Profound and rapid capacity building on my part to be able to meet the the um, kind of result or the outcome of of penetrating the collective in the way that my pieces do.
1: Yeah, I could, I could, I could really, I could really guess that you, (laughs) you you put, you hit that button, it published, and then all this feedback came, and you went, I didn't see that coming. quite amazing quite amazing it's happening to a few people right now on the planet that i know um, who like i have no choice but to do what i do either do you know like i remember when i was um being interviewed for ista faculty and they said you know why should we make you a lead and i said i don't care if you make me a lead or not i walk into every room and lead it you know Mm -hmm it's not a choice that I have. It's just like, I don't even care if I'm not the leader of any particular thing and I don't compete with leaders. I support them, but I'm still a leader. Like I still, I, it's not a, I never, I don't remember ever saying, Oh, in this life, do you want to be a leader or a follower? Like I just always led.
2: Right. Oh, I love that about you and for you, Lori.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't, you know, it's like, I can do no other. I can't, I tried to like, you know, Make myself smaller to to like try and fit my energy into my body, and I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there's no point in trying to be less than too much. You know, I just am too much, and that's <laughs> I've come to accept that. <laughs> and then everything I do from there, you know, is has that big thing to it. So mm-hmm. it's not a choice. It's not like I could do it any other way. So I totally get that when you're. When something's coming through you, it's a it's a compulsion. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an obligation. Mm-hmm. It's your spiritual mission. Like that's it. That is your work.
2: Yeah, that's been increasingly revealed to me. Thank you yeah. for naming that so yeah. so potently.
1: It's who you are. Mm-hmm. So so let's talk about it a little bit. I, so the first piece I read was, uh, taking it. it. Was called taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, taking it: the dark art of feminine submission. Right. And I read that. I got goosebumps. I got chills. I knew that. So, you know, I just, I can't remember what it said, Mm
3: -hmm. the
1: whole piece, it like the essay. I can only remember my, my visceral response to it. Mm -hmm. To me, it described in beautiful written words what's possible when a person surrenders to their own pleasure and allows themselves to be ravished by another individual
0: mm-hmm.
1: who's trustworthy, obviously, mm-hmm. or you wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. Um, and I believe, and so, you know, of course, now you'll tell me more, but I have a belief that, everyone wants to experience that and just doesn't have the knowledge about how or who or where to 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 see that through so they live in a desperation that they'll never be met like that mm-hmm. <laughs> so talk to me <laughs> <laughs> no I,
2: I was just with you in in that naming so deeply um I think that that is so deeply true something so I have been um blessed in my life by being um dear friends with Rob Kendall, who who was just on your podcast um a few weeks ago I believe and was the co-founder of One Taste and he talks very specifically as do many others but this was sort of the first place in my life where I, I had this language with such kind of potent clarity and he speaks of like being in approval of our desires like really like being in the fullness of approval for our desire and I realized that when I heard this language I was like oh my gosh that's been like in some ways, the entire foundation of my own kind of erotic heroine's journey is how can I deepen increasingly into being an approval of my own desire? So that piece was about, um, you know, this experience that I had in public, in Santa Monica, on a public beach, of being um, invited into a, a kind of a deeply surrendered. submissive container in which I was held exquisitely in my journey of submission, you know, fed and pampered and delighted in so many ways. Again, in public, this was entirely non-sexual, like like exquisite heightened quality of eros, of the erotic, but not at all sexual. And so in this piece, I kind of described the arc of, the experience of being in submission, being in chosen sovereign surrender. And then at the end, the little bit of kind of the knife's edge of that piece, recognizing that this was like, like it was within my power to take that experience. So like that was a little bit of kind of the twist or the paradox of the word usage, taking it. Like I wasn't taking it like, I was, I was taking something from my own pleasure. Right. And so that was the quality that I kind of hoped to illuminate is that in me and in it's my personal belief that at the core of the feminine heart is this deep longing, as you said, for surrender and for me, I'll, I'll, I'll exalt that further and say, and for submission and to be held exquisitely in that container. So that piece was, was a celebration of a very real kind of afternoon, you know, Saturday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon in Santa Monica um, and just a sharing, like pulling the, lifting the veils a little bit on on some of my own lived experience.
1: Yeah. Well, I just remember reading it and being like at the edge of my chair and going, oh, Mm. she knows how to put this down. She knows Mm. how to write about this. What an exquisite experience. Mm.
2: Mm. Thank you, Laura. It was an exquisite experience. And writing about it was almost equally exquisite. Like there was this kind of whole other ravishing and thrill in learning how to energetically kind of transmit these experiences like into the collective.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So good. I'm so glad. And then the other piece that I read that just, you know, just knocked my socks off. That seems like such a, that seems like a not um, appropriate. Um, p- like, description of it, but it, it, let's just put it like this. It was so timely and so pertinent. And that's the one that, that you called Lysistrata. I Mm -hmm. think that's how you pronounce it. Mm
2: -hmm. Exactly. Lysistrata. Yeah. That's based on an ancient Greek myth of um, Lysistrata who gathered the women together um, in the ancient isles of Greece, I believe. And they essentially like revoked sex Like, until the wars were settled, they said, we're not going to have sex anymore, and they're going to kind of take away the feminine pleasures, extract the feminine pleasures from the masculine collective, from the men, until the wars were over. And it was actually successful, (laughs) but I was using that, like, at that time and in that context, um... I was kind of extrapolating and said, like, women, you have every right. Like, you have every right to kind of... um, Punish. Yeah, like to use this sort of lysis strata lens in terms of your righteousness and what it is that you're choosing to deprive men of and and quite literally therefore depriving yourself of. But, like, there are other ways. And then that piece kind of explored... For example, Krishna and his his gopis, and they have this very beautiful feminine practice of playing flute by the river in the Bhagavad Gita, and how there's like this glorious kind of feminine play, his consorts as they come together in their kind of sweet, feminine, erotic play, And it, it, which happens, as I said, it's called lila, which I just think is so perfect. It's such a musical word to describe that, that sensual play. And so I just was sharing in that piece that until we are anointed as women, until we are anointed by the stain of our own longing, our own desire, our own need and longing for the masculine, again, regardless of anatomical reality, that like we are no queen. Right. That we cannot be initiated into the fullness of our feminine, As my friend and teacher Erica Jade says very potently, we cannot birth the divine feminine within until we exalt the divine masculine within.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So all this shaming and punishing and condemnation of men and of the masculine, it actually is compromising and um, obscuring the feminine capacity to truly be in her divine feminine until we on the interior level at the level of our own psyche and soul and heart create or cultivate what I, what is heroes gamos, like the divine union between the masculine and the feminine within the mystical marriage within. It's like, that's the fullness of our power. That's the fullness of feminine power. And until we, mm, I don't want to say the word heal, but like, arrive at a place of forgiveness and whatever our own journeys and our own paths may be of, and for the masculine, we will be compromised in the fullness of our feminine power.
1: I so agree. And that was just like, now I even have tears in my eyes as I'm mm. you recount it because oh, I see it so clearly, just like you wrote it. Mm. I I feel that all this shame and blame and finger pointing and everything mm-hmm while the stories need to come out and while there's truth to them and what you said, you know, you can choose to stay angry. Mm-hmm. You can choose to stay, you know, uh, frozen. Anger will freeze you. Mm-hmm. So you can choose to stay cold and frozen in the anger or you can, you can express it and release it and when it's released you can embrace your own masculine feminine inside and you can embrace the masculine outside and you know one of one of my friends um in Australia EJ Love says if a man is acting weird or you know not behaving properly if you ostracize him that'll ha- that'll have one effect but if you really want to, him to shift and transform then you need to love him more
2: yeah Exactly. Yeah. I, EJ and I have had the chance to connect a little bit through my, like on my, in the comment section and chime yes. in on each other's pieces. And I, I adore her and I love that that lens that she has. Yeah. But there has to be a way of kind of returning men to the circle of of our world and the condemnation. There's, There's more beyond that, like the energetic signature of anger that seems to be encoded inside the the feminine pain body of so many women, it's like it's incomplete. There's, there's a place for this. Absolutely, I'm not trying for a hot second to bypass the very real anger. And it's incomplete in the fullness of its creational cycle. Like alchemy, if we look at alchemy for a moment, it's the, the transmutation from the negredo, the blackness into gold. And so in many real, very real ways, it's like the gold the gold contains within it the blackness, the negredo, which is a metaphor for shadow, you know, the trauma and the wound Mm -hmm. and the pain. Mm -hmm. But there's a process of alchemy that allows us to transmute and to turn that which was once, you know, the, the shadow, the blackness, the pain into our gold.
1: Yes. So good. And I so agree. So I'm hoping for the best. I want everyone to read that. I want them to see themselves in it if they're stuck. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of places that they can get unstuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that I guess that part is my part of it, getting people unstuck and back into the love. Yeah,
2: back into their bodies and
1: back into the love. Beautiful, yeah. Lori. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm just, oh. Of course, I'm jealous too. I want to be able to write like you. <laughs> Just, I have to admit that. That if I didn't say that, then there would be a piece of shadow. <laughs> Thank you. I
2: I really appreciate that. No, and no. and everyone, I mean, that's some of the work that I do is is teaching men and women, working with men and women to like to deepen into the craft of their own transmission. You know, like part of my work is it's, I call it pussy writing, like really dropping women like down and descending into the truth of our pussy and speaking and writing and transmitting from that place within us.
1: That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, yeah, so we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what you do, how people can get in touch with you, who's a good candidate, you know, why do they want to get in touch with you and why should they, you know, what's the what's the pull? And you just started to introduce it. So we'll, we'll come back on that note. So if you really, if you just tuned in or you just started to pay attention, cause you heard the word pussy, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is Laurie Handlers and you're listening to sex and happiness. And I'm interviewing Jillian Pothier, who, who's really moved me deeply. And, um, you know, I am I like wait for her next piece, you know, that she's writing. And um, so we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get in touch with her. Maybe you're somebody who needs to write like this uh, to have a major influence. Uh, maybe you're somebody who's feeling helpless. Like, how, what can you do about the world? And maybe you can just write. And so we'll find that out when we come back. So stay tuned. We, are, we will be right back
3: with you.
0: So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too, meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now.
1: As a sex and happiness coach... I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with the Sibian has personally increased my sexual response and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add, trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N.com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800 253 6135 and say Laurie Handlers told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for men. That's Venus, V E N U S, for men. And once again, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers, and I really have the great pleasure today to be talking to Jillian Pothier. I, you know, I just, you know, I was determined to to have her on this show. And little did I know that we knew each other already. Um, So, you know, I was a woman on a mission. (laughs) Now my mission is to spread the word about her even more so that you can read her pieces. So what's the best way? First of all, let's talk about what's the best way for people to find your work. Is it on Medium?
2: I um. Actually, on Facebook, Medium, yes, that's certainly a place where I put my larger pieces. But um, Facebook, I, I do my best to kind of keep myself very available. And, and that's where I do, like I share most of my work and Medium, I mean, all of my work. And then Medium is where I put like my kind of more significant or longer
1: essays. Okay, so then we're going to spell your name, because if we don't, then people won't be able to find you on Facebook. I find that most people, you know, botch people's names. So Jillian is spelled G-I-L-L-I-A-N. And Pothier is spelled P-O-T-H-I-E-R. And that's mm-hmm. how you can find her on Facebook or awesome. on Medium if you subscribe to Medium.
2: Thank you, Laurie. Perfect. You're welcome.
1: And then, okay, and then so you write. We know mm-hmm. that. and That's where they can find your pieces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What about... um coaching and being a creative mentor, How? who would be your typical uh, client?
2: So I tend to, I have two different aspects of my practice. Um, I work with women. So I work with women in one-on-one containers. These tend to be artists, kind of very creative women who are creating more and more influence in the world through their own expression so, um, so that's one specific kind of container. And then I also work increasingly as a writing coach with both men and women. So I've um, had the great privilege of actually supporting three different men in writing, in, in different capacities, in writing their books, most specifically around their own erotic reclamation, their own erotic hero's journey, So um, those are books that are all being released into the public sphere in the next um, several months and or year. Um, And one or two of them have already actually been released. So that's been kind of an extraordinary process and immersion for me and something that brings me great joy. Um, I also lead small groups, um, intimate groups with women. One of my programs is called Bleeding Gold. Um, a descent into feminine arrows through myth and dream and I have the great delight of launching on the 4th of April a program with my dear friend and teacher Erica Jade called Grail Queen and this is for women who it's called Grail Queen the Divine Keys of Heroes Gamos And this is for women who are awakening and deepening into remembrance of who they are as lover priestesses, who they are as perhaps kind of speaking archetypally, the temple priestess. So the women who are the signal carriers and carry the codes of healing between the masculine and the feminine, who like me in their own way are in service to the divine masculine through the channel of the feminine. Mm-hmm. So these are kind of different tiers and levels of immersion um, that are in my kind of field of offerings right now.
1: Sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that doesn't need much explanation because if my listeners are listening and they heard that, they know who they are.
2: Precisely.
1: Like it's, those temple priestesses know who they are. Like I. I consider myself, uh, you know, an early archetype of that. And what I know is that anybody that's ever had entered into a sexual encounter with me has gotten his life disrupted. Yes. <laughs> and, um, <I'm, laughs> it's exactly true. And, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, I, I'm sort of beyond that role now. I'm more like a temple queen, but, um, But I still, I know it. I feel it in my bones. I feel it in my blood. It's like I come with a warning label like cigarettes. You know, the Surgeon General has determined (laughs) that cigarettes are cancer-producing. Well, my label says, warning, you're about to be disrupted.
2: (laughs) Well, you're about to deepen into the remembrance of who you are as the divine masculine.
1: Yeah, Yeah, but for some people, that disrupts their entire life. It's quite true. It's quite true. So Mm. I I get it. I mean, I just so get it. And we should talk because I have the idea. um, I have an idea about a screenplay about this, so we can talk about this offline. Mm. Yeah, I have a, I've had a screenplay going, running for the past few years about this very subject.
2: Oh, fabulous. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So then, so if you heard your name called in this program, even if your name wasn't called, but you know your name was on it um, and, and what Jillian was just describing, then this is how you're going to get in touch with her. How do people get in touch with you directly?
2: I, I still think Facebook is quite likely okay. the best way mm-hmm. just to message me via Facebook. And I check at least like I check once a day and I am quite responsive within you know a day or so.
1: And um, if someone isn't your friend on Facebook, do you still get the messages from other?
2: Yeah, I keep everything as public. Like I really use Facebook as kind of my public forum. So okay. I'm
1: a bit accessible to everyone. Okay, great, mm-hmm. great, great. Mm-hmm. All right. So any last minute thing? Is there anything I didn't ask you that should be said?
2: Um, I feel like this was a really beautiful arc of inquiry. So I, I there's nothing that's kind of standing forward for me at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I just really hope, I hope those of you listening, I just want to let you know, like to me, listening to Jillian talk and talk about the pieces that she's written and contributed to our planet, like I consider them a a very high priestess gift. Hmm. And um, I just hope that you got it. I don't care what side of Me Too you're on or Meg Toe or whatever. Like I, you know, I've talked about that stuff a lot on this show. And as I see it, we cannot live without each other. And we shouldn't even be trying to live without each other. And I understand heightened emotions and all kinds of freeze. And we are human beings. And our natural state is, Sovereignty and living in love and freedom. And we cannot do it without each other. We all play a part.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, you know, I see her work as adding to the expression of inner knowing that it's going to take. And mm-hmm. so this is my request to all of you, to everyone listening. This is my request. I beg you to like open your heart. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because.
1: Because we have to, because mm-hmm. we live here.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and we actually carry each other's keys of resurrection.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I, just, this, I just have to say this quick thing, and then we do need to go. But um, <sighs> the person that in my life, I don't know if I ever talked about this on air, The person in my life who I had a violent relationship with when I was 22, who, you know, wanted to knock my teeth down my throat, basically. Um, I didn't know how I got in there. When I met him, he was the sweetest man I ever met. And then behind closed doors, he was like, you know, Mr. Hyde. (laughs) And um, when I finally faced what I had to face to realize that it was only going to be me who could stop it, I've actually chose the option of death. I said, he came home from somewhere and I said to him, you know what? I would choose death before I would like want to relate to you ever again. So you can come in this house and you can do anything you want. Cause I'd rather be dead than spend another minute with you. Oh. And he just humbled all down and said, I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm so sorry. Mm. I never meant to hurt you. Mm. And, And what I want you to know and what I want everyone to know about it is the badass that Laurie Handler's is in the world got developed in that moment.
3: Exactly.
1: Like my gift came from that direct action, reaction, Mm. interaction, Mm. and transmutation of the entire experience. Like I faced death and nothing could scare me. And so I just told him what I what he had to say I told him to pack up and get out and he did and if I were to see him today I would thank him because he helped create me into the powerhouse that I am and I just thought of that when you said that you know it's like I mean I'm familiar that I feel this way now but I don't think I've ever said it like publicly on air before like thank you to my tormentor to my persecutor to my dominator to my whatever he caused me to be who i am he's not the only factor but a very big factor
2: yeah that's a absolutely beautiful Laurie, thank you for your courage in sharing that like that's just Filled my me with so much um, sensation in my body and touched me like in my own heart so deeply. Like that's a potent story, exactly of how it is that we do. We contain the keys for one another's resurrections. Exactly. The purpose of the soul work isn't even necessarily to like make the wound go away. The purpose of soul work is so that the wound bleeds gold.
1: Right. Hallelujah. That's it.
3: Hallelujah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so everybody, thank you for listening today. Jillian, thank you so much for being my guest today. You inspire me. I'm excited.
2: Thank you and so thank you. much, Lori, for having me and for weaving such a beautiful conversation together.
1: <laughs> thank you. And everybody, please tune in next time when you know, I'm going to have another amazing guest who's going to add to your life in a way that you expect or don't expect, and I don't care. What I want is for you to be sexier and happier. I want you to have, like, an amazing life on this on this earth. So please tune in next time. This is Laurie Handlers signing off for Sex and Happiness, and I'm saying namaste to you. I bow to the divine in all of you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness.